0: I'm mm-hmm. sorry.
1: for not checking out this podcast sooner welcome back everybody to the nerdy's podcast in the midwest an episode where we are ending a journey with some of our favorite guardians here on the midwestern nerds podcast i'm your host brian stoffel joined as always by my co-host my partner in crime my sidekick my co-pilot okay hey, oh, kyle olson We are the Midwesternerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Midwesternerds. We are the Midwesternerds podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send that to midwesternerds at gmail.com. You can stream and listen to this very podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hope y'all enjoyed a fun episode that we had last week talking about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Before we jump into this week's episode, we're going to do a little bit of reflection on our giant episode that we had a couple weeks ago, the 2023 Avengers draft. I know we kind of did a little bit of a wrap up at the end of that episode, but you haven't had a full two-week reflection From your podcast hosts here. So we're going to jump in. We're going to dive in. Kyle, the draft happened. I know you probably had a game plan. And like me, I'm sure that game plan didn't fully live up to what you were dreaming of building it up to. I think the fun thing about this year's draft was the amount of people that we had. Like we had 100 different uh draftees potential draftees and we had eight people we had seven rounds that's 56 of them off the board that's over half that were gone and there were some big names in there there were some big ones that went within the first few rounds there were some big ones that went later on in the draft some big surprises a couple upsets a couple of working the system shall we say Ugh. Let's jump into it, Kyle. What were your general overall thoughts of the draft?
0: I had a lot of fun with this one this year. Uh, I had I had like an idea of a plan. <laughs> if that makes any sense? I didn't like look at the roster and go, "Okay, if I, you know, I, I need to pick these people in this order." Like I didn't rank my people or anything like that. I, I had an idea of who I wanted. I had an idea of leader non-powered, and non-power to that kind of stuff. I did not think that anyone was going to argue that much this year because I thought everything was pretty straightforward. (laughs) And then we had Shang-Chi and that I, me and you, I don't think me and you voted for it. I think everyone else voted for it, which I'm okay with. I'm not, but like I, from the beginning, right when Tom said it, I was like, no, (laughs) I even, I, I was voicing myself the whole time. I was just like, I I get what you're going for, but no, like that's the, no, he's not non-powered cause he has this, but then everyone was like, Oh, I so see where you're coming from. And then we're like, all right, let's do the vote. And everyone fucking raises their hand to be yes. And I was like,
1: Oh, okay. I guess we're going with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised at that. I mean, I'll be honest. I was more leaning towards Tom's side. I was like, that's some pretty smart lawyering that you're doing over here. You're and working this system you're and like i kind of agreed with his point of view because the majority of that movie he doesn't have the rings and he is just the dude that's really good at martial arts so then is and non-powered i would have said all right. yes all right fair enough i mean that's that's kind of why i had the little caveat of like you could be supported by tech yeah and i just mostly didn't want somebody aka Josh somebody like josh being like i want to recruit all the hulks all the thors all the as guardians <laughs> all the eternals and i'm gonna say that my team's the best team because i have all of this power and i just me personally i kind of i like to see a little bit more of a rounded team not yeah. so much heavy on one side i, I like a little bit of uh, variety mix yeah. things up you know and so that's kind of where I was going with that rule of like, let's, let's make this a little bit more lenient than last year. I felt like last year I had a pretty, pretty strict structure. And I was like, this was fun, but like, it it could have been a little bit better. And so I, I went a little more loosey goosey this year and I felt like it worked better for the draft. Cause I had more fun this year than I did last year. I felt like it was an improvement. And while I might not have gotten everybody I wanted, I overall thought that it was a, very successful draft
0: yeah I, I I just like the the format that we did this year because like last year if you if you try to put too much rules on something it can get complicated it can get kind of tedious that like you know as good as last year's was, having the freedom this year opened everything up, but as you saw a lot of people I would say the majority of people were still strategically picking people even outside of the two categories that we had to pick there were still people going like oh i'm picking this person because it pairs well with this person or like or at least giving reasons as to why they're building that team like i i think i think there's still that inherent or inherit like want to build a coherent team we're not just drafting names at this point we are building a team so i i think the i think it still worked really well my favorite part about the draft God, that Shang-Chi moment was just really good. Um, as as annoyed as
1: I was in the moment, I, I was also, like, golf clapping the whole time. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is some great fucking content right here. I was, <laughs> that's what I, I – I was so mad at it as a participant
0: of the draft. But also, I was like – like, while I was editing, I was like, fuck, you got to just applaud the – he tried it. He swung, and he fucking hit a home run. So, yeah. Uh,
1: I was that, surprised that you didn't draft him, so- like, right away. Because if I remember last year, he was your second pick after Trump. Daredevil. Chung chi You got Chung chi last year. And I remember he was, like, one of your favorites on your team last year. And I I was expecting him to be, like, a first or second round pick from you. And then when Tom got him in the third round, I think. That I was really- the other thing that blew my mind, too, is how many, how many characters that I that I felt like should have got drafted sooner, like didn't get picked until some of the later rounds of the draft. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, I, I don't know. It was, it was a very interesting happening of events. Cause I know some people started to do like I did and just go from the heart right away. <laughs> like <laughs> when you got Daredevil last year in the first round, I was like, fuck that. If I get, if I get an opportunity first round to draft him, he's going to be on my team. And then kind of thinking the same thing for She-Hulk too. I was like, man, I, I, I really like the character in the MCU and I, I wanted the power as well as like the, the smart, the smart Hulk aspect to it. So that's where I was going with my second round pick. I didn't even consider the fact that I drafted two lawyers right off the bat and everybody was like, Oh, you got the legal team behind you. I'm trying to look and
0: find the old one because I know I have the old one somewhere. I don't know why I can't find it, but I can't remember if I. I guess I don't remember drafting Shang Chi last year, but
1: um, I only had one repeat pick from last year. Yeah, and it surprised me because it was it was a character from the movie that I've seen the least, Eternals. (laughs) And I picked Fastos two years ago. that's right. (laughs) I think, I think it would have been interesting if guardians would have came out before we did the draft because I was leaning on choosing some characters from guardians. And then I was like, uh I think, I think I'm going to go a different route. And one of my picks being fastos was one of those times where I was debating on picking him or a guardian. And I chose, I chose him. And so it, I I think it would have been real interesting how the draft would have shaken up had Guardians come out before the draft, just based off of of people's picks this year. We, we haven't we haven't gotten into the Guardians discussion yet, but no. I I think Josh is feeling a little bit even better about his team after seeing that movie since he drafted so many Guardians, and we'll. We'll get into those reasons why, but some of some of the guardians that he drafted on his team, I was like, mm, yep. <laughs> In the MCU now, like there, those are some pretty good uh pretty good picks. Right. So
0: yeah, I, I mean that that uh, those are my favorite like actual parts. Uh my least favorite part was that last fucking wild card round, I got <laughs> There were, like, four or five people that I was okay with getting, and I ended up with the fucking last pick, and I had to pick Modok. Like, oh, man, I was so
1: disappointed. (laughs) I was glad that somebody picked Modok, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, him and a couple of the other characters that I threw on there, I was like, God, it it would make no sense, but I hope somebody drafts these people. I was disappointed that nobody drafted Kevin Bacon. (laughs) Oh, God. And I... I'm glad that I chose to have two wild card rounds this year. Cause I remember one of the things that I felt could have been better about last year's draft was the fact that there were so many really good characters in the wild draft round that didn't get picked, and we only had one wild card round. And I was like, ooh, there's gonna be even more characters that we could throw on that list this year. Definitely want more than one wild card round, and I was—I'm glad that I went with that decision because it—it it shook things up too in the middle in the middle of the draft well, too. Because
0: otherwise, that last round could be super boring. Like making that the second wild card round where there's still so many like fucking Hercules and those kind of Namor was still out there. Like that made it. Yeah, I—I I thought that was a really good idea.
1: Last thing, who was the one person that you wanted to draft on your team that? didn't make it that got picked before you could you could recruit them i think the biggest i mean that that round
0: seven was <laughs> was a big one for me um because there was i wanted i really wanted no more in round seven actually i wanted him or hercules to fall to me uh but josh and chad got him got to them before i could let's see here i'm just kind of looking i actually had some decent picks this year no, I th- I had the last pick of the first round. Moon Knight's a little disappointing. I didn't think Moon Knight was gonna go first round, so I don't know if I would have even taken him. So I mean, you know, it would have been nice to end up with Spider-Man or Daredevil again, but uh no, I, I think the biggest I think the biggest one was Namor in round seven.
1: I kind of had a feeling that Moon Knight was gonna go first round, and I I wanted to mix things up as much as I could this year and I was like as much as I would love to to draft Moon Knight for a second year in a row I was like (laughs) uh uh, I gotta I gotta let him go my biggest upset was round two because my first pick of round two was gonna be uh Mighty Thor Jane Foster because looking back I kind of wish I would have drafted her first because I really wanted her on my team especially because This was like the one year to draft her uh, at this point. And the fact that Chad got her right away. And then immediately after Chad takes mighty Thor, then fucking Ryan comes in. He's like, I'm going to troll Brian too. And I'm going to pick Bucky. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Right. Right. I was banking on him to be like a third or fourth round pick and (laughs) gets fucking just, sniped for me in round two, just just to be spiteful. I was definitely attacked that second round.
0: You know what? As a fantasy sports player, though, that is exactly what you do in drafts. You draft people based on who's drafting after you. You absolutely make spite picks. I finally found last year's draft. Okay. <laughs> I did take Chung-Chi in the second round.
1: Holy crap, look at me. That's kind of wild. Wow, I'm surprised that I remembered that. Yeah. I remember. I remember you were stoked about it because of the same reasons that Tom was you, yeah. you played the power card with the, with the 10 rings.
0: Cause he's a fucking beast and he's immortal. Basically. <laughs> uh, I, you know, and actually now that, now that I'm looking at this, I actually really wanted to draft uh Macari again, like, but like I waited too long because much like last year, I thought I could get him fifth or sixth round. Like I thought, People aren't gonna look at the eternals. So I'm gonna basically draft the flash late in the round late in the draft. But someone someone jumped on him before I could. So that was another that one. That was
1: that was kind of how last year went too, where it was like the later rounds, all of a sudden people started to look at eternals and started to draft the eternals. And like I wanna say it was like the f- fourth and fifth rounds last you, year. You
0: took Fastos in the fourth round, and then jurig was took uh in the fifth round and uh, there was another Kingo was taken in the, <laughs> the round. Uh, did no one take? Oh, I took Icarus in the seventh round. That's right. That was a good wild card pick by me. <laughs> that
1: was, and then I took him off because he's kind of dead right now. Oh yeah, he was
0: presumed dead <laughs> at this point. So yeah, I think it was a very
1: successful draft. Absolutely. My last favorite part about the draft is continuing to troll Josh the entire time. (laughs) And I I was very entertained that everybody else joined in along with me. Uh, All right. Let's jump into Guardians Volume 3. Arguably your favorite MCU property. Arguably. Well, Well, we'll get into it overall i really enjoyed this movie i thought this movie worked on a lot of levels i i remember texting you afterwards saying that the only complaints that i had were very nitpicky like yes. i i only had a couple a couple of nitpicky things that we could probably get into sooner than later just to get the negatives out of the way before we jump into the positives but i was kind of surprised after taking some time to like think about this movie at how adult this movie is like this movie is like a hard PG-13 like if you would have added in one more one more f bomb or made some of the the action just a little bit more visceral or even even taking some of the the animal rights uh type elements in the flashbacks like one step farther like this would have been a rated R movie and it's it's kind of interesting how a lot of the times people would, you know, take their, their younger kids to a Guardians movie. And this time around, it's like, uh, ah, maybe you better wait until they're just a little bit older. Uh, but yeah, I, I loved this movie. I had, I had a blast with this movie. I'm going to be letting Kyle here steer most of the ship just because I saw this movie on Thursday and the very next day i left for chicago to see blink 182 in concert uh, it was a great fucking show and i'm just kind of still living in that moment and also as i was telling kyle before we started recording it's it's been an interesting trying day for me and my brain's not totally in guardians world so i'm gonna i'm gonna bring the reins mostly over to the co-pilot here uh to kind of steer the ship a little bit i'm going to i'll I'll be jumping in with with some thoughts and opinions and and maybe some some topic steering questions but i i think overall i really enjoyed this movie as a general thought i thought it was a very satisfying conclusion to the franchise i felt like the, the character journeys for quite a few of our guardians were very satisfying Uh and the, the action was great. The mute, the movie itself like looked gorgeous. Like when, when people have complained in the past about uh, some of the special effects in the CGI and some of the more recent Marvel stuff, I'm like, it hasn't been that bad. And then I look at this movie and I'm like, Oh, this movie seems like it took like fucking five steps above all those other movies of just, how clean and crisp the colors and the special effects and the cgi and all that stuff was it it's a great movie i i had a really great time i am going to really try to make it out one more time to see this movie because we we've got a little bit of time as far as movies go before the the summer hurricane of blockbusters hits where like june is like sometimes two movies a week. July is also like almost a movie a week. In August, we kind of finally start to slow down with blue beetle being the only one on my radar at the moment of an August release. But otherwise it's just like, let's slam on the, on the gas pedal starting next week already fast 10. By the time this, by the time this podcast drops, we're halfway through May. (laughs) yeah like what what the hell uh so <laughs> i'm gonna try to see it this weekend and cool. i hope i can make that work because uh, it's definitely a movie worth seeing in the theaters and it's it's a movie that i think is worth revisiting as well now i'm gonna i'm going to uh put the reins back over to kyle uh steer the ship with general thoughts and uh as always Midwesterner's fashion if you hadn't guessed that already, spoilers. Uh, I, I steered pretty, pretty spoiler-free in my general yeah. thoughts, with maybe one or two hints of a spoiler. But overall, maybe. like it, it was pretty clean. But from this this point forward, we're we're going full spoilers here. You, you had over a week to see this. Yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, turn this episode off. Go see it. Then obviously come back, give us that listen because we appreciate it.
0: That was going to be my first thing I was going to say because we are going to get into it pretty quickly here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to save my general thoughts till the end because I'd rather I want to talk about everything. Fair yeah, enough, because I, if I just start going right now, <laughs> I may not stop. <laughs> so, I'd rather talk about it all and then wrap it up all at the end. All um, right, so I do want to start, however, with the music selection because as Always, I don't think I've seen a single James Gunn movie where the music hasn't been absolutely phenomenal. I love that he's—I uh, believe the word is diegetic—that uh, uh, the music is always coming from a, an actual source within the movie. It's not just playing in the background of of a film that we're watching. It's actually playing somewhere in the scene, um, which is always one of my favorite touches in his movies. The music selection, again, as always, phenomenal. You open up at the acoustic version of Creep, which was just it's such a way I heard this movie described as a, not a guardians of the galaxy movie, but starring the guardians of the galaxy. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Because this is not one or two where it's joke, 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 And eh, we're going to play it a little serious joke, 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 joke. <laughs> uh, this was, we're going to tell a serious gut wrenching fucking like anxiety-inducing story at some points, but we're gonna sprinkle in the Guardians' humor and the Guardians' you know levity. So I thought that was a really good way to describe it. And I thought this was the 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 acoustic version of "Creep" was such a good way to open the movie. Not only with the Marvel logo opening on, you know, comic strips and movie shots and scripts of the Guardians as a whole, it it immediately gave up the vibe of this is the final movie for the guardians we knew it was we knew it was but this it was just like okay this is actually happening and that just just a single guitar and a slow song as we pan over the guardians doing their thing in nowhere you know they're just they're just fixing things up rocket's walking around no one's really i mean mantis is slowly dancing and then we get to peter and he's fucking hammered like like that uncomfortable level of drunk where I'm sure, you know, some people unfortunately have seen some family members at this level where it's just like, oh, stop. <laughs> like, but we're just not gonna engage with you type. Like it was, I think it was just such a good opening. Uh, and Peter is unrationally mad that Rocket has the zoom, even though he like Peter's not using it. I'm, it was just so good. I just, it was just such a good vibe to start the show to start the movie because you if if you started it like the last two where it's fucking come and get your love or mr blue sky that's way too high energy i just love the the change and the sudden setting the tone for the rest of the movie we immediately Before,
1: before you keep going i want to jump in i want to start with that marvel with that marvel title card i loved that like as fun as it is to kind of look in the letters to see what clips from recent projects that they decided to throw in there at this point i kind of like better seeing like this is a guardians movie so we are only gonna have like key moments and snippets of guardian stuff in the in the marvel title card not just from like the movies and the shows but like Like you mentioned like the comic book panels too like i think it'd be really fun if more solo character projects started to do that of being like oh like especially the comic book stuff it's fun to kind of like for like a split second to be like oh why did they choose that is that gonna show up in some way shape or form in this movie like what what's going on with that panel like well, especially for
0: especially for a new project too. If this is like their first solo movie, potentially, uh, you could start with a, a couple of comic and you know different things from every anything before the MCU, and then it fades into the classic MCU scenes in the in the letters and that kind of stuff. And that's almost kind of them welcoming this character into it.
1: It would kind of blend to what they what the Marvel title card used to be was was the the flipping of the pages sound. In the letters of like the comic book panels in the marvel logo and then boom marvel studios before they started to do the which is a wild thing to really to
0: remember as you're doing a guardians rewatch leading up to this movie because you turn on the first one and it is
1: that old comic book one and i was like oh my god so much has changed. <laughs> yeah so i yeah i i loved that like and immediately that's like oh that was like a a mood setter for me of like, okay, like, here we go. I, yeah, I love that. Like you can do what they've been doing as far as like everybody in the Marvel letters, like for like an Avengers movie or like, like a Thunderbolts movie, like have just scenes and snippets of all those
0: characters. Or again, if it's someone's first movie, you do the mcu big grandeur thing to welcome this character into all of this
1: yes but i i liked i also liked where where you went to with start with the comic book panels and then transition into like the mcu stuff because yeah i i absolutely loved that uh music you started with music and then you started to go into that first scene i liked the music i think at this point guardians 3 soundtrack is in third place as far as the soundtracks go sure i i liked i liked the majority of the choices i felt like some of them didn't fully work uh and more than any other guardians movie there was like two times in this movie where like a song started playing and i was like why are we playing the song like well i get it's a guardians movie but like why is the song playing right now well, <laughs> like there's... just to, just listening to tra- music somewhere in the scene just to transition like us to a different to a different scene like like why, why are we playing this music right now like it and i've never had that happen in a guardians movie before or a guardians project like it, it definitely took me out for a second so i i loved the music choices and the one music choice the uh no sleep till Brooklyn scene oh. which we'll get to fucking worked yeah but at the same time afterwards somebody was like yeah that would have been great if Mario Brothers hadn't have done that like two weeks ago okay and I was like I'm being I I was like oh yeah <laughs> but in the moment <laughs> I was like okay like here we go and we'll we'll get to that scene because it's uh it's definitely a standout scene. Listen, Chris Pratt just like the Beastie Boys. Apparently. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, we will get to that scene. And shockingly enough, that's not even my favorite musical choice in this movie. Uh, it's up there, but same
1: here. It's it's definitely in my top because I will say too, like kind of like the rest of the Guardians movies, like there are songs that like I know I've heard on the radio, but like I don't know. And there were definitely some of those choices in here, too. Like there was a there was like an Earth, Wind and Fire song in there, like during the the flesh planet heist scene that I was like, whoa, what? even, Even before I went to the movie, I sent you that playlist on Spotify where they had like the full Guardians 3 soundtrack up and I listened to like half of it. (laughs) <laughs> and then that song popped up and i was like what the fuck is this song? <laughs> like it just it felt out of nowhere but it it fit the tone of the scene where was i going with this oh the, the two that that stuck out for me were the two that i feel like they successfully used in the marketing the the since you've been gone song by rainbow yes and then um uh the the song that they that they really started to hammer home towards like the the last trailer and co- the last couple like commercials and i think and that marketing. was in the
0: in the meantime by space hog i think yeah,
1: i think so i can give me two seconds and i can confirm that it is
0: yeah because they like you said they use them very well in the marketing so it kind of it it worked yes. better once we got to okay in the
1: meantime by space hog and also i had four i, I guess i had four uh Florence and the Machine at the end like that's was, the one was perfect that, that is that the one
0: I have been listening to that song an unhealthy amount of times since I've started seeing
1: <laughs> the movie ah that movie that just was a song that, so that like it's a song that like I've heard a a zillion times like mm-hmm. on the radio in the in in stores I think when I was working at Eddie Bauer they even had that on their on their sure. playlist for a while and it's it's always been a background noise song Mm -hmm. and then until like it started to play in this movie like even when it starts i was like what song is this this sounds familiar and then when we start to get to the course i was like okay and then just kind of how it crescendoed that whole scene i was just like this is this is beautiful it's (laughs) so it's just so good it just
0: i mean sure he can have a few misses here and there but when he hits he hits James Gunn knows what he's doing here. I uh, agree with that. When he hits, yeah. he hits. Yeah. So, uh yeah. So the, the the guardians are, you know, they they basically just. I love that they they'll take any excuse they can to have a slow motion walk. Uh, they get <laughs> <like, did> so
1: <laughs> many of <in> this movie.
0: <laughs> I love and the I title scene.
1: Too, marketing. Uh, golf clap for all the Mister X, especially yeah. that scene. That happens during the title card of Guardians of the Galaxy that right they dropped at at the end of one of the first couple trailers, where it's like, "Wait a minute, is Star Lord dead?" And then mm-hmm. it's like, "No, just kidding. He's just super drunk, and we're walking slow mo in front of the Guardians title screen that we edited out of this clip in the trailer." But then it just keeps feeding that fire because that marketing, and I, I don't want to jump the gun too soon. No no pun intended, James. Ah. Don't want to jump the gun too soon. But the misdirect of the marketing of us being convinced that at least one, if not several, Guardians were not gonna make it out of this movie alive. Again, kudos. Like And we'll we'll get into that too, because like on one hand, I really love it, but on like the the continuation of this universe like hand I, i've got a little bit of hesitations but mm. like i said we'll we'll get into that because that's end of the movie stuff yeah. towards the end of the conversation stuff
0: mid-credit post uh, c- controls
1: yes controls back to you <laughs> um i'm just i'm gonna mention feel free to
0: jump in because i'm gonna mention so many random little things that i notice uh uh, it, it, so also fun fact during that scene when when uh nebula is carrying uh Star Lord, right? That is a that is not actual actually uh Chris Pratt. That is a full rubberized like dummy of Chris Pratt. And they did zero editing in the movie, like it looks that real, uh, and it weighs apparently like 30 pounds, like it's just super light, and there's like there's fun footage out there of Nebula just fucking like playing with it and shit. It's really funny. <laughs> wow.
1: Um i didn't know that
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's some really fun interviews between james gunn and chris pratt about the uh the in offices use of that <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs>
1: if you want a good laugh of those two just being children during their interviews anyway oh, i almost uh... just a uh, spit take <laughs> speaking of and not to keep going off of all these tangents not it why not one of my favorite things about chris pratt when he's been marketing his movies lately is movies that his characters get action figures for he takes them to all the interviews and does like random shit with them That's so smart like i think it was like good morning america or something like there was there was a photo of like during the interview that i'm not sure if it was if it made it on the air like this full image or not like i don't i'm not sure if it made it on tv or not but it's like a it's a wide shot Of Chris Pratt and then all the Good Morning America hosts, like, sitting on their chairs talking to him. And sitting cross-legged on the floor next to his chair is his Star-Lord Marvel Legends figure from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. When the Mario movie came out, he had... He had his... he had his Mario figure that he would that him and Charlie Day had the Luigi one too, and they were fucking around with their action figures during like all of their interviews too. Like I love that side of Chris Pratt. Like, give me more of
0: that. Oh, he is a he is ai am <laughs> i i'm I'm urging people to go watch some of the interviews with Chris Pratt and James Gunn because Chris is just a child and it's awesome. I love it so much. Um, yes, yeah, so. They put Star Lord to bed because he's way too drunk. Uh, I love the early setup of everyone's asking Nebula what she's going to do about Star Lord. That's the eat. That's the very early setup of Nebula is kind of now a de facto, not the leader of the Guardians, but the like de facto, I guess, mother role. Not to, not to, not because she's a woman, but because like she's the one who's taking care of people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's such an interesting arc from nebula in the very first movie who was a bad guy she was part of the antagonist in the very first movie uh to be to to have that transformation into gamora thinking that sounds more like nebula in that later scene you know like that 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 person you were in love with that sounds more like her like that's such a crazy arc for someone to have in i mean technically three movies technically seven seven movies if you want to get you know
1: it shows the beautiful journey of the character, though, too, mm-hmm. because like you, I also did a Guardians rewatch of one, two in the Christmas special before going to see uh, Guardians three skipped Infinity War and Endgame. Not because they're bad movies, but because I've seen them the most out of all of those things where like I was like, I, I think all the main details that I need to remember from those movies, like I remember and my girlfriend hates watching Endgame because of how emotionally that movie wrecks her to the point where she's like I just want to pretend that this movie doesn't exist so that like I don't have to keep living that but you keep making me rewatch this movie and I fucking hate it. <laughs> so we didn't rewatch Endgame or Infinity War but re- rewatching Guardians 2 cuz again that was a movie that I hadn't watched in so long I one of the mcu movies i think out of the infinity saga that i've watched the least uh not because like i hate the movie just because like like it's not a go to for me True. and so the scene on i don't i don't remember i think it's on ego probably towards the end of the movie where gamora's like like come with us like come come with us be a part of this team help help work this like help us work and like save people Oh, i think it's on the ship after uh towards yeah and, and she says something about like like help people that were like us that had their childhoods ripped from us that that were forced into these things like be there for these kinds of people and then she's like nah peace out i'm gonna do my own thing and now like you said like she is like a caregiver basically in this movie not to mention there
0: was this really cool scene when they get the information we're going to jump a lot i I can imagine i think we're probably just going to more talk about characters as we go. yeah i think instead of trying to go chronological or anything i'm just i'm going to go chronological in my head but we'll probably only get like 30 minutes into the movie (laughs) uh there's that scene where they where they where they finally get the information on rocket and they go in and and she's projecting it out right and they're they're basically seeing what's what happened to rocket before and even she makes a comment she says this is worse than what thanos did to me and i a i love that as establishing what happened to rocket so we sympathize with him more what the high evolutionary is capable of and his inhumanity and it is now nebula who is already starting to take care of people realizing that while she had a really shit life there are actually people out there who are having worse lives So it puts it into perspective for her it makes her want to care for children more it's just just that line in itself was so impactful to me i just i each time i watch it i just like i was just wow I can't believe they put that in there because it it just again it just paints such a huge picture in so many different levels. Um, and towards the end of the movie, again with Nebula, we get her. She she's the one who she she has to go save uh, Groot and Peter, even though they escape from the from the ship. Uh, but then she's the one that finds the kids. She's the one that ultimately is fighting to save the kids when they're trying to escape the ship. Like I again, just I can't say enough about I, how much I love nebula's arc we also need to talk about her arm her arm is awesome her new arm the 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 nanotech (laughs) arm which which james gunn confirmed rocket built this arm for her as a thank you for giving him bucky's arm which Which is awesome
1: (laughs) somebody like compiled a bunch of like guardians three questions that james gunn answered on twitter and one of them and one of them was was along the lines of like is is Nebula's new arm like a modded up version of Bucky's arm? And James Gunn flat out was like, no, this arm's way more badass than Bucky's. <laughs> That's so cool.
0: Also, oh my God! Right when Adam Warlock comes in, right at the beginning, and she she grabs that like backpack to give to like help her fly or whatever. Yeah, she's she's almost striking like an Iron Man pose. Right, she's got her fist out ready to shoot. Um, and she's like, she's, she even has like her legs in the same kind of like stance that uh, Tony had, which again, really nice touch because of that, what, 30 days that they had to spend together in space. Um, she's got a lot of, you know, connections to him now too. So just, I, I never expected Nebula, I always figured she was going to be that part of the team who was Always, always had that evil side to her, and always was gonna try to get them into trouble. For them to take this hard one eighty, uh, it's just I, I love it so much.
1: Yeah, like you always expected her to just be the edgy one, you know, yep. the one that'll that'll go farther than most, and and sometimes tiptoe across that line if need be, and yeah, to just give her that character arc instead. She even fights against Gamora when
0: Gamora's like beating up Peter uh and she you know she's like hey fucking quit it <laughs> like th- this this what, it, what it, i don't know what she called it, but this this rat that's you know he's the one that built me this arm uh and she goes you're gonna turn against family and she he is family even even nebula is part of the family and acknowledges everyone as part of the family just phenomenal stuff um let's talk now about we're obviously gonna save rocket for last let's talk about drax I want to talk about drax because he was one of the few that i thought was gonna bite the dust oh yeah <laughs> uh specifically because he did, did uh david d says come out saying that he is not gonna play drax after this movie
1: the shot and... in the trailer which was the one time where i was like mm, good job misleading me but at the same time like is he not like now is he gonna die is he not gonna die like when's that going to happen? Because again, when they're on the, the, fleshy planet thing doing the heist, he gets shot like multiple times where it's like, Oh shit. Like it's slowed down. Like it's in slow-mo. Now the music got super dramatic. Like, is he, is this where he bites the dust and doesn't, and doesn't make it. And the trailer definitely made you think that that could be the case. But also that was like barely halfway through the movie where I was like, they can't come off this soon. Plus. Other shots in the trailer it was like, mm, no, like he still needs to make that couch gag that they yeah. showed in the trailer and he still needs to do like a couple other things. Yeah. So clearly this isn't it. Which those those kind of things definitely betray them.
0: I, I would like to echo everything that you've said about the marketing, because like there were so many times in this movie where I thought someone was dead. And and I don't normally go into a movie like that. Even though you know that this is the last movie, I think that because of the rumors of, of Batista not coming back and Zoe Saldana like, not coming back. And, you know, uh, as much as I love Chris Pratt, he's not getting any younger. Uh, I don't think he's going to be playing Star-Lord forever. We'll uh, talk about that. We will talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but, and and I I don't know. We really thought Rocket was leaving too. And for just everything that they did in this movie, was we're going to make people think all of these characters are going to die at some point, and it's and they, I believed almost every single one of them. So, I, I completely agree. Let's see. Here. Yeah, I so the, Drax has that early line where Mantis uh tells him to dance with her, and he says dancing is for idiots or only stupid people dance or whatever he says. That's that's yeah. been a that's been a uh. You know the non dancers and the dancers that's been a clear uh definition of his character, but then
1: well, I he mean, even he even has that a line similar to that in the holiday special because yep. we we watched the holiday special god, like an hour before we went to the movie last week, oh, and yeah. and they're they're in the bar, and that one guy comes up to me, he's like, Hey, you want to dance? and he's just he says something like, like dancing's for the week or something like that,
0: <laughs> exactly, and it's and honestly, I just thought they were throwing that in there again. I I thought that was a clear definition of he's just not a dancer. But, oh my God, towards the end, I'm trying to think if there's anything significant that I want to talk about. I love there's the moment where he's he's just a big dumb idiot who smashes down the door and then Nebula's yelling at everyone and they both call him an idiot, Heron her mantis Mantis. Uh, and he's deeply offended by that. Uh, but then Mantis makes him forget it. But like... I
1: I didn't like that part.
0: I didn't like that either, honest. especially because it comes up later where he's like, you know, like, oh, you you can speak their language. How come you didn't tell us that? And he said, how come you didn't ask me? So I don't know. I just, I felt like they could have left that in uh, where he's because otherwise, why is he holding that grudge? Anyway, Um, it still worked because just uh, him that that's the turning point for Drax is that this whole time. He's still kind of being comic relief. He's still kind of being dumb, dumb Drax, whatever but there's that moment where they're trapped in the pit and those kids come up and Nebulon and Bantis can't get through to the kids, but he immediately just makes them laugh, makes them feel comfortable, and then speaks their language and gets the message across. Which, by the way, scenes later, that pit rises and there's fucking abolisks in there. Why were the kids just free in that same area? That's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe the... I, I forget what the creatures are called. Maybe they were, like, caged up and we didn't see the cages, mm, like, released right. or something. See? Or I think they were in a... They were caged up, too, weren't they? So maybe the you could say... They were, say... like,
0: right outside the the Guardian's cage.
1: In that... I don't know. I... I You could I be kind like of, could be. I kind of viewed it as, like, they were in a cage next to the Guardian's cage. Like, it was, like, that was clearly the jail cell of the ship, so I just right. But then that they that freely another... ran back.
0: Then they freely ran back to tell the other kids to get away from the wall.
1: I just thought that that was a giant fucking cage because there were so many kids. For
0: some reason, these kids
1: were running away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I did like the the hey morons. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, uh, it's just so good. But yeah, just him. I just I just need to get into this final line with Drax. Him, uh, what uh, Nebula says. You, you were never meant to be a destroyer. You were meant to be a dad. And oh, that line hits me hard every the both times that I heard it. Like it's so it's his story. It is absolutely his story. He was a he was a great dad until he couldn't be anymore. Then he had to be a destroyer because he couldn't be a dad. And now he gets to be a dad again. And that sets him free. He fucking dances at the end of the movie. Oh my god, I was crying so hard heard of that like especially he had to say goodbye to mantis who obviously those two were like best friends they they never did anything romantic with those two which i'm very happy about the, the it was just a genuine friendship and she leaves but now he's got this new purpose him and nebula staying on nowhere raising these kids like oh my god then he's dancing with all the kids oh my god it's just such a cool scene i absolutely love it's I, it's obviously like a b c d e storyline in this movie But it's just, oh, man, it was just so
1: impactful to me. I've got a lot of thoughts on Drax that I would like to save towards the end. Uh, I'll just say there there was a lot that I liked about Drax in this movie. And I liked this Drax more than Guardians 2 Drax. Sure. I, I felt like it. They toned him down just a just a tiny bit to make it not seem like so over the top and like everything out of him's a joke and everything about him's a joke. I still think that he was one of the that his arc in this movie was one of the weakest out of the team, uh, and sure. that's just mostly because I I still feel like he got short shafted uh drax throughout like his entire run in the marvel movies except for guardians one and i i can very much understand and feel the same way about about the character as batista where like he's made comments about how like drax has been the most beat up character in like the mcu meaning like he he's lost the most battles and and is always like getting beat up he's uh more than not like the butt end of a joke and and yes you're 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 doing hand motions that that our listeners can't see which ties into his arc which i understand but at the same time i kind of wish we could have gotten a little bit more care to drax and his backstory throughout the mcu that we gave rocket Like if we could have seen him a little bit more as a dad or seen a little bit more of that loss or had him be a little bit more significant in Infinity War and Endgame as far as Thanos goes to kind of like help with that arc to then be like, where does he go now? Now that Thanos is gone. (laughs) Instead then like it. Yeah, I've I've got a lot of thoughts about it. I I like I I really liked the line of like, you were never meant to be a destroyer. You were meant to be a dad. And I liked seeing him with the kids. I wish throughout this movie, he would have had moments where we see he's making like a legit contribution or like has a good point about something or like had a moment where moment or two where us as the audience are like hey that's that's actually like a good a good move or a good idea or a good play and to have the rest of the team be like no 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 like just kind of disregard him because of how he always is to then like build up to those moments in the third act that really worked i think would have strengthened that even more for his character like it was there like it was like it was like first maybe second draft there like it wasn't it wasn't fully it, it wasn't fully to the mark that i felt like it should have been at and where where's characters left off which again we'll get to for this movie and for the character that's beautiful but for the mcu and the future of the mcu I've got some questions. <laughs> I'll just I'll just save it
0: for that for now. Let's move on. Yes. again and we'll talk about. We'll wrap them up later. Let's go a little further. I'm going to build my way down before we build ourselves back up. As far as characters that we're going to talk about here. Yeah, I want to talk about two at the same time because they're both fairly insignificant in this movie, but do have some sort of arc. I want to talk about Craglin and Cosmo because I do think that they are important. Obviously, we're going to spoiler alert see them in the future hopefully uh hopefully that's not enough to promise
1: at the end we'll see uh I, I, again there's a lot of questions that, we, that of we're questions. just gonna continue to dance around until that's we fun. get towards the end of this this conversation exactly
0: but i again it's just a small little arc of craiglin still trying to figure out the arrow he can't get it to go but cosmo is out here with her fucking telekinesis and just it shows him up in this little you know uh skill test basically uh craiglin calls her a bad dog she's pissed about it throughout the entire movie and everyone's pissed at her for attempt but craiglin won't take it back but towards the fight at the end she saves him craiglin calls her a good dog there it, it's just this it's just a really i don't know to me again it just was nice like craiglin especially craiglin's moment when he he it again a little interesting to me I don't know if Peter told him what Yondu said or if, I don't know, but Kraglin was not present for, you know, I don't use my head when I fly the Arrow, I use my heart. But yet he saw Yondu in this little, like, Jedi, you know, past ghost type of thing where he said, "Use you know, I use my heart or use your heart, boy, I think is what he says. Again, it's not the direct quote. So maybe Peter told him this. I don't know. I'm willing to forgive that.
1: It's funny. I I feel like this movie where we're switching roles a little bit, where you're just like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, because like this is the franchise that you're again, the one of the franchises in the MCU that you're the most passionate about. Yes. And then there's there's me sitting here that's like, well, actually, you know, my headcanon says, (laughs) which and I again, I'm able to use my headcanon in a lot of this stuff. um... I took that as like. Yes, he told Peter that in volume two but how faithful craiglin's been to Yandu? Yeah. craiglin i felt throughout all of the guardians movies and especially guardians 2 that craiglin was probably Yandu's best friend Absolutely. like he was he was his right hand man he was the most loyal to him all the time even when all the ravagers uh mutinied uh Yandu. so i felt like between scenes, between the panels, as James Gunn once said in one of his other movies, "Super." Uh, between the panels, I felt that that was probably a conversation that they had. Yeah. At some At some other point, especially with like the fact that that was like Yandu's go to weapon, and with Craiglin being his right hand man, there's it, it's almost inevitable that they had like a, a conversation of like, "Oh, how does that work?" Or like, how are you so good at that? Or, you know, again, it feels like
0: we're switching roles on this podcast. It would have been nice. (laughs) It (laughs) It would have been nice in like the holiday special or the Thor movie or something where they just, you, maybe a different character walks in on those two having that conversation. We don't need the full conversation. We just need to know that the conversation happened. Either way, it, the it moment bothered me. The moment worked. I agree. Yes, it didn't bother I, me. I, I These are nitpicks that we're going at.
1: I, I loved seeing Yandu, uh, even for for a second. Even though I knew that it was just in his head, like, uh, yeah, uh, that Maybe. that moment worked for me. The the Cosmo Craiglin arc in this movie, I had no problems with. I I thought that it worked. I didn't feel like it was wasted uh, time in the movie. I didn't feel like it was filler. One of my favorite scenes is the poker scene yeah and even though like he doesn't really do or say much i really liked that james gunn had the chance to fully get down the look of howard the duck how he wanted to because i thought he looked pretty cool too and i was like where's our marvel special pre- uh, special uh preview special event on disney plus of howard the duck like give him give him an an hour long special presentation that's the word i was looking for presentation give howard the duck his special presentation i i want to see some i want to see some howard the duck in this universe so um, i not to I, mention, I thought that poker scene was fun
0: yeah not to mention we got uh the return of the buyer from the guardians one. one yep from the from guardians one and i want to say one of the uh, there was there was a kind of a random old guy there I want to say he was like one of james gunn's first i don't know he i think it was some sort of like comedic or movie guy that had a lot of impact on james gunn or
1: something i can't remember what it was. and you gotta know too that had he been alive like stan lee would have been in that scene exactly that's probably that is the
0: the the guy yeah exactly um yeah, love that scene, especially when she's like, with Craig, but but I'm still a bad dog, and everyone's just like, oh, Like she's been, yeah. she's been saying all day, and
1: these people are just getting sick
0: of it. I just, it's just, it's just good stuff,
1: uh, dude. Since since we're on Craiglin, yes, it, it kind of ties into the end. But how fucking sweet was it to see that nowhere is an actual like operating ship?
0: So cool. that
1: comes in at the end of
0: the movie. Which also they they I I didn't realize until I saw it in the movie, but they spoiled it in the trailers. There's they show the scene of the two ships coming at each other.
1: And I, I and, and I also too that it they used the technology of the old Ravager ship of Yandu's old Ravager ship from Guardians two because they got the giant fucking pontoon boat steering wheels that they had. At the end of of Guardians two, and they're trying to get off ego. Those were back in in now nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I thought that, that was pretty sweet. And again, attention to detail uh, for the super nerds out
0: there. If the the very first scene where they you know they give like the title nowhere on the on the and they give the coordinates, the coordinates for nowhere are actually different than in episode or in the second movie. So that's in early tease of this thing's on the fucking move. Uh, so yeah, that was oh so cool. Let's see here. Let's talk about a disappointment, but I wasn't majorly disappointed. I'm disappointed for the character, but I think we're going to get more out of the character coming soon. Maybe not coming soon, but in the future. Let's talk about Adam. Adam Warlock was... I heard... I Again, I'm stealing this phrase from someone else. Adam Warlock was good for Guardians 3, but Guardians 3 was not good for Adam Warlock because I think there's a, I think there were missed opportunities. I think he could have... I think he could have had a better arc, but the arc that he had was still good. Again, while I'm sitting there in the movie, it was great. I had no problems with it. It's me thinking afterwards. Mm, there could have been a little bit more. Hearing other people say, "Yeah, they could have done this, this, this," but again, really no issues with how he was used in this movie. He immediately, you know, for Guardians fans, he's immediately attacking them, and you know who it is because they teased him at the end of, of two. Um, but then he's immediately like a child where he said, "What? you know, he gets distracted by something and he lets the thing in his hands just leave. And then he said, where, where'd you go, squirrel? <laughs> and he, he's just running around. He doesn't know what's happening. He's just fighting. Like, he, he has no idea really what he's doing. He's just fighting. He's, he, he almost kills Drax immediately, <laughs> which, again, me just watching the movie, the trailers are out of my head at that point. I was like, holy fuck, Drax might die right away. Like there was a split second, I was like, "They're killing Drax right now."
1: Yeah, his appearance set the tone. Like, yeah. And when I said earlier that the violence in this movie was visceral, like, it it fucking it hits right away within the first five minutes of the movie. It's just like, oh, like this is this is dark. This is gritty. Like, there are some stakes here that have kind of been lacking in the Guardians mm-hmm. movies, despite yeah. the fact that this is a point that somebody made today in a podcast that I was listening to, despite the fact that the guardians movies and the guardians franchise hasn't been afraid to complete characters journeys and hasn't been afraid to kill off characters like some of the other properties have. And it, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Like as soon as he hit, I was like, Oh shit. Like, are we going to get some dead guardians right away? And is this is this going to be, like, not just a rescue mission story, but also, like, a revenge story as well? Like, we got to, even though they're not Avengers, we got to avenge, like, our fallen family that died at the beginning of the movie. Uh, so I was, I was definitely in that same boat. Adam Warlock, for me, in this movie, was interesting because I didn't have a problem with it. Mostly because narratively worked with the story, but also because of his arc towards the end of the movie and then the mid-credit scene where he's he's going to be back. Like, we're going to have time to be with him, to develop him. Something that I didn't know again until today, listening to people that are more in the know of some of the comic source material revolving around like the the galactic marvel comics and the guardians of galaxy and and stuff like that adam warlock when he first starts off like in his like first how many story arcs in marvel comics is a little childlike so narratively that fits with the story too the other interesting thing that i heard is that and i haven't read too many adam warlock comics or comics with the character in but one of the things i didn't know about until today either is the fact that like he is practically immortal and he has to he has to go back into that cocoon to like almost reset otherwise like he starts to become too like omnipotent and like lose his humanity and turn to the dark side. And so like he he goes away into hibernation to kind of like reset himself more to. So that he doesn't become like the next big evil thing.
0: What a good story for that potential next movie. Oh, my yeah. God, where they have to, so, get, have to go find this offer to get it back. Oh, that's and awesome. so
1: it's, it it didn't it didn't bother me like a whole lot. I understand why people are bothered by it because the people that the few people that have read his comics are the people that have read like infinity gauntlet and the infinity war events and uh, the infinity crusade miniseries where it's like him and basically a team of guardians that are like Mm -hmm. the, the sole protectors of the infinity stones at that point. Uh, So he is a, a little bit of like the, the omni god omnipotent person like the 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 serious almost like like vision type character uh personality where i think that's what people were expecting and the fact that everybody was like why did they like why did james gunn cast what's his name michael coulter i think his name will, is will polter will colter will polter will, will porter like, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing when, the, when that was first announced. But I was like, okay, that's an interesting choice. Not, not who I would have picked, but, like, let's see what he does. And then watching this movie, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, that's kind of the characters that that actor plays. And, like, his face kind of fits that. And that would also rub me the wrong way, was after seeing the movie, like... He had an interview where he talked about like like how Hollywood treats actors based off of appearance and how like how basically like everything that he's like, Yeah, I'm famous, but it's for these reasons that I don't like to then do that in this movie that you're also promoting while doing this interview. Like it was like you have to assume
0: in a role like this he's eventually going to be You know, like a big, jacked, powerful character.
1: And I'm sure that's why he he chose to do this role. Not only because, like, hey, it's a Marvel movie. And other than We Are the Millers, when's the last time anybody's seen this fucking (laughs) kid? So, like, it's a big step in his career. Like, of course, you're going to choose to be in a Marvel movie. And especially if he knows a little bit about the character, it's... Yeah, that's a a tempting role to take. So, I'm not... I'm not worried about Adam Warlock. He he worked for me in this movie. Yeah, he was one of those moments in the movie that almost went a little too James Gunn, but like, I felt like this movie had the proper balance of all of that. Unlike Guardians 2, where it, it kind of... Guardians 2 swerved outside of that line more than once of like, okay, this is getting a, a little too gunny, a little too silly, a little too jokey. And I'm glad that he's had the ability to kind of learn and grow and hone his craft since guardians two and learn from those mistakes and, and flex a little bit in the projects like the suicide squad and peacemaker. And, and it, it definitely helps this movie out. And so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with Adam Warlock in this movie. I know I'm one of the few, but it, he had a, he had a purpose in this movie but it wasn't that significant of a purpose. Like you could have taken him out and not a whole lot of this movie would have changed. And so because of that and the way he was represented in this movie, like it didn't bother me that much.
0: And that's what it is like that. Like I said, he was was great for the movie. The movie wasn't great for him. I'm not clamoring to see him in the next movie. I am because I like Will Poulter and I like the character of Adam Warlock, but this movie didn't make me want to see him, if that you know what I mean. So yep. but again, he had great moments in this movie. He had uh he had the uh he's he's talking shit to, to the high evolutionary, and then he just gets thrown against the wall and then he just falls. Like there's great comedic timing there. There was the uh his mom told him to show the Ravenger that they mean business, and he just absolutely obliterates him with a laser. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the little creature that's with the ravenger is all sad because he just killed his friend, and, and <laughs> he, he had not, just- the creature. Well, not only that, but I just love in the moment he's like that creature. It seems upset. I don't like the way it makes me feel. Yeah, <laughs> he's like feel he's feeling guilt for the first time, and he's like processing the emotion. It's just the way he did it was so comedically good. I uh, just like him. Playing around with the environment while they're trying to get his attention. Uh, just awesome. He <laughs> when the when the when the war pig is trying to abduct Rocket and he comes in and like stops him, and the war pig's like, dude, what are you doing? We're on the same team. And the guy goes, Yeah, but I need the credit. <laughs> and they start fighting, and he just immediately kills him. Awesome. Uh, but then there's the crazy, weirdly just hidden in the middle of the movie emotional scene where Adam realizes that the planet is blowing up so he needs to go protect his mom but he's just like two seconds too late and fucking Aisha just explodes and dies she's gone but then he just comes back and he's just part of the guardians still trying to fulfill the mission but he's so beat up at this point that he just ends up failing but Groot saves him and we'll get to his final little piece but it's just I again it's just it's a small background character small background story arc but it's just so good. It's just you you can get attached to it within this two and a half hours. It's just so awesome.
1: Uh
0: unless there's anything else you want to talk about with Adam Borlock give me your thoughts on Mantis because I Mantis is a big part of this movie, but there's not much
1: personally that we really need to talk about, I don't think. I would agree. I along with Drax, I feel like she had the least uh character development and the least amount of do in this movie which i mean if you think about it they did have a special presentation that was an hour long where they got to do their character stuff so while i didn't agree with all of the character stuff that happened in that special which we've talked about like that special almost went a little too guardians two for me then then guardians one and three yeah she didn't have a whole lot to do, and I, the most that I have to say about her, I think, that can come at the end when we talk about the disbanding. The only thing that I'll say before that is, I kind of wish we could have gotten a scene of like her and Peter having a heart-to-heart or like yeah the closest we got was when they were talking about his grandpa yeah or like a a goodbye moment or something like we established the fact that like their brother and sister in the holiday special and then it was mm-hmm. like oh these two are gonna have like some significant stuff to do together in guardians 3 and then it didn't happen and sure i I kind of I felt know. that way i kind of felt that way about a couple characters
0: but she and we'll talk about it when we talk more about star lord but she has a big role in 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 playing like in what he does like yeah she she is the re, she's the one that talked about his grandpa and then she's the one that gave him the advice about swimming so i i understand because i i have the same you know like i set it up there's there's not really much to talk about. she has this fucking awesome scene where she makes the one security guy fall in love with drax and then this guy is like flirting with drax so it's so fucking funny and
1: i love too that drax is like why do you have to do that
0: every time the fact that they've done it so many times is just such a great
1: visual uh but yeah other than that she's got a she's got moments like that but really oh uh, and uh One of the other highlight moments that I almost forgot too, which involves her is when they're trying to get into the the flesh base and they're cutting (laughs) in and and Peter like changes the channel to have a heart to heart with Gamora and he's got everybody linked into the call and they're like, dude, like give it up. (laughs) He's just like, what? And the fact that both mantis and Drax are like, yeah, red means go uh green means stop yellow means this black means that and he's just like how can you keep that straight that's not right blue's blue blue is just a one-on-one channel and then everybody's like no blue is for everybody and then the fact that like that mantis and drax who are usually like the not they're usually quote-unquote the dumb ones of the great fact that like they're like yeah no we we Makes perfect did. sense. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just it's classic, like who's on first cut type of comedy. And it was just it was so good following like a slightly emotional again. It's classic Guardians right there. That's just ah it was that was such yeah. a good scene. I-, I loved that scene. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Not I to mention about it. Not to right. mention the running bit in the movie where she falls on the back of her head like four or five times. Fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah. Like four or five times where it's like, How are you
0: still moving and all not I've to mention that? Not to mention Adam Warlock broke her fucking arm in the beginning of
1: the movie and then she just whoop, fixes it with a med-, well, med pack. I was yeah, the the magical med packs that yeah. just hey. magically can heal anything and everything. It except, sets it up. Except if you have a kill switch programmed into yes, you. Because you can't operate on someone if they have a kill switch, Brian. It's obvious. <laughs> 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 green is for like, red and okay. red is for green i was like okay that's a that's a nice hand wave moment like i could just i can get past that <laughs> blue is for blue is for everyone yellow is for yellow green is for red red is for green
0: uh orange is for oh shit i have this too because i've seen it twice now anyway yeah other than i'm we'll talk about mantis, mantis later uh then
1: Greetings, Earthlings, host of the podcast, Brian Stoffel, intercepting this transmission to unfortunately inform you that you have reached the end of episode 103. Kyle and I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 so much that we spent almost three hours talking about it in spoiler fashion. So this is part one of that spoiler discussion you'll just have to tune in next week to find out what happens next how we feel overall about certain character arcs and the movie as a whole but until then we have been your midwestern nerds that's m-i-d-w-e-s-t-e-r-n-e-r-d-s you can find us on instagram and twitter at midwesternerds we are the midwesternerds podcast on facebook If you'd like to send us an email, you can send that to midwesternerds at gmail.com. You can find and stream and listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Please remember to rate and review, share and subscribe, be kind, please rewind. All of these things help this podcast to continue to improve and grow and be the Midwesternerds podcast that you, the listener, want to listen to next week like i said we will be continuing our spoiler discussion of guardians of the galaxy volume three we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it we can't wait to bring you the rest of our discussion next week for your midwestern nerds i have been brian stoffel and my co-host has been ko kyle olson and whether it's beer brats comics or saving the galaxy. Keep it nerdy!